Father God, we thank you for this morning. We pray, Lord, that as we learn from today's passage in Philippians, God, that for each of us, there is something that we take away. There is something that causes us to act and to remember that the acting we are doing is with you, Lord, on mission with you. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all here. We're kind of slowly creeping back toward the school year beginning. So there's some people who've been gone for a while that it's nice to see your faces again. I know we still have a lot of families traveling too. Again, like I said earlier, I'm Kimberly. I'm one of the priests here this morning. Always, but this morning too. Um, if (laughs) If you have been with us through the summer, then you know that we've been learning through the book of Philippians. We've decided to kind of do this summer series through Philippians, and we've been focusing on encouragements that Paul has for us. One of the encouragements that we've really focused quite a bit on is this idea of gospel friendship, what it is to be unified as a people who follow Jesus. And so this morning, we will continue in Philippians with today's reading from chapter 4 verses 2 through 7, and we will continue looking for what are the encouragements that Paul has for us. In a June 2015 interview with CNN, Van Jones helped break down the distinction between joy and happiness. He specifically was talking about joy and happiness in the context of the black church in America. In the background of the video, if you've seen it or if you decide to look it up later, you will see that there are a sea of people celebrating, dancing, jumping, singing, and they are outside of Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina. If you aren't familiar with Mother Emmanuel, as it is often referred to, it is a church where on June 17th of 2015, nine black people were killed by a self-identified white supremacist who just before the shooting was welcomed by the church and by the people into a Bible study. But Mother Emanuel is much more than a racist act of violence. It was the first African Methodist Episcopal or AME church in the South. It was founded in 1817. That's hard to imagine here in Austin where I don't know that we have any churches that were founded in 1817. It is this beautiful old church building that is kind of in the center of town. It continues to this day to be an important part of the community, an important part of the community in terms of like religion and faith and Christianity, but also just an important part of the community where people gather and it has this kind of presence as a building, but also as a faith community. At the time that Mother Emanuel was founded, Black people could attend churches with white people. They were even sometimes licensed as preachers. But the churches were dominated by white folks, and generally they maintained control of the institutions. They often relegated the black congregants to segregated segregated parts of the church. Sometimes they would allow them to have separate services, but in the basements. Oftentimes, they were not allowed to rest with their white counterparts. Can you imagine that today, separating people out, receiving the Eucharist? And so it was under this backdrop that churches like Mother Emanuel came to be. 
In the interview, Van Jones acknowledges that for those who are kind of onlookers and might have seen on the news or maybe even present there in Charleston that day, that it might have been crazy. They might have been, why are these people celebrating and dancing and, and jumping for joy after such a horrific tragedy? But he goes on to explain that in the black church, happiness is connected to external circumstances. But joy, joy is saying, hallelujah, anyhow. Despite the circumstances, despite what is happening to them individually, as a community, as a church, as followers of Christ, it is saying, hallelujah, anyhow. It is turning to God, demonstrating and celebrating what it is to follow him despite the circumstances. This type of joy, it has the power to heal. It has the power to demonstrate to others what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And for many folks in the South, Black people in the South, they have learned to practice this type of joy. Joy regardless of what is happening. I was recently listening to a podcast that was talking about lament and how oftentimes in the white evangelical church, which is what our church is, lament has been something that is missing. And so there's been this focus on what it is to practice lament. But one of the things that has happened is maybe an overcorrection. So lament, 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 but no joy and celebration. And so a part of what we're called to and a part of what we see in the black church tradition in the U.S. is that like, yes, lament, yes, sorrow and bringing our needs and crying out to the Lord, but also joy and also celebration in who he is. We don't dismiss horrible things that are happening but we still wholeheartedly and publicly demonstrate and declare our faith and our joy in who God is and what it is to follow him. In today's passage from Philippians, we find Paul exhorting the church in Philippi to rejoice always, always in the Lord. This points us to the reminder that despite circumstances, we can be joyful knowing who God is and that he is present. He is present with us today, tomorrow, and always. We get to say, hallelujah, anyhow. Paul goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This morning, we're going to primarily focus on that second part of the passage, but I do want to briefly draw our attention to those first two verses, where Paul is urging two women, Euodia and Syncache, to be the same of the same mind or to be unified. Because Paul mentions them by name, these women were likely important. They were likely important in the church in Philippi. And he seems to consider them as fellow laborers as they contended with him in the work of the gospel. There's some debate among scholars as to whether or not they were actually presently in conflict with one another, or if this was Paul doing what he does throughout the book of Philippians and offering encouragement to people who are already doing good work, knowing that conflict might arise, that when two people, two humans are working together, there is bound to be conflict. As we've journeyed through Philippians, we've seen that Paul does offer encouragements around unity, around gospel friendship. And remember that Paul is writing this letter as a thank you to his partners, to people who have worked with him in ministry. 
There is a theme of thanksgiving and joy throughout the book of Philippians, despite the fact that Paul is in prison as he is writing this. And he also seeks to encourage people about the situation that they are in. They are oppressed people living in the Roman Empire who are followers of Jesus. And Paul is telling them that they should still be encouraged. And that is centered in who God is. Several times throughout the book of Philippians, Paul exhorts the church in the way that they are to think and act. And this is not something that they are to accomplish on their own, through their own power and strength, but it is something that is accomplished through God and God working in and through them. And this moves us into the second portion of today's reading, where again, Paul is offering an encouragement. Similar to those who are celebrating outside of Mother Emmanuel, In June of 2015, Paul is saying that his joy is not a feeling that is dependent on his circumstances. Certainly, we would not be joyful if we were imprisoned, right? But he is saying that his joy is found in God. Paul's joy is an act that points toward God. It is choosing to rejoice and reflect on God's actions to redeem all even when present circumstances might indicate that another power had won or has won. Today, we may feel that way at times. We may feel as if another power or empire influence has won, but we can draw our attention back to God, to Jesus, knowing that he has the ultimate victory. And today, I want to draw our attention to three encouragements in these final, these last few verses um, of Philippians 4. Four through seven. First, I want to encourage us to hold on to the joy that is found in God. And secondly, I want to encourage us to remember that God is near and that others are near. And third, I want to encourage us to pray and to pray with thankfulness. If you've lived much life, then experience has likely shown you that joy can often be elusive. Loneliness, family tensions, unrealistic expectations, crisis, grief, national events, you name it. We all have our own kind of individual things that may cause us to t- at times to feel as if joy is something that we cannot grasp onto. But the elusiveness of joy, it invites us to pause and reflect on what it is we are actually seeking when we speak of joy. Are we spe- seeking an emotional high, a state of perpetual happiness, an absence of conflict? In verse 4, Paul urges the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord always. He seems to be suggesting that rejoicing, it is a habitual attitude that informs behavior. And he says always, suggesting that we are to practice this regardless of circumstances, and that we are to do this in the name of the Lord. We are to say, hallelujah, anyhow regardless of what is happening, because our faith, our hope, our joy is in God. There are many things that can be a cause of rejoicing, good news and unexpected reprieve, achievement of something that we've been working hard toward. In some cases, the joy might be fleeting. But when the cause of joy or rejoicing is God, it is not It sustains us even when we are worn down by life's challenges. But this does require 
us to be and to find our joy in something more than our circumstances. In order to have this perpetual, this habitual attitude of joy, it cannot be in anything that is of this world. In rejoicing, it does not negate or turn a blind eye to despair. It is not saying, get over whatever it is that is upsetting you or bringing you grief or harming you. It does not make the suffering go away or minimize injustice. Rather, rejoicing, it acknowledges that we are serving the one and the only God who can rectify everything that is wrong. The God who has stood in solidarity with the oppressed. If he stands in solidarity with the oppressed, then how can he not stand with us? Rejoicing in the face of injustice, of loss, of grief, it is a courageous act. It is not something that is easy. It is something that needs often to be done in community with one another. At times, we may have to lean on or rely on somebody else to help us in that rejoicing, to maybe even do some of it for us, to turn our attention toward God and who God is, and to remind us of the vision of God's shalom. It is so glorious that it transforms us here and now. As Christians, our joy, it stems from God's covenant with us. It stems from the resurrection of Jesus after his humiliation with death on the cross. Joy stems from the vision that all the world will recognize the sovereignty of Jesus when he returns. It is found in knowing, as Jonathan reminded us last week, that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are not citizens of this earth. The second encouragement is to hold on to the nearness of God and others. At the heart of the good news of the gospel, there is the reminder that Jesus' announcement that God is near. God is not distant, not far off away from us or up on a throne. God is near. Jesus walked among us and knows what it is to be human. He knows what it is to suffer, to pray, to cry out to God, to be uncertain, to doubt. In Christ Jesus, God has come so close to us. So whatever we experience in our lives, our relationships, our our workplaces, the Lord is near. The people celebrating outside of Mother Emmanuel, they knew this. They knew that regardless of what they were going through, Christ was near them. And they exclaimed and they demonstrated the hallelujah anyhow. This statement of hallelujah anyhow, it's intended to bring comfort and consolation and to remind us that even when things are hard, God is near. And relationship is critical in this, in this reminder that God is near. Oftentimes we meet Jesus through people, through people in our church, through people in our neighborhood, sometimes in the most unexpected places We are called to be in relationship with God, but also with one another. Even when there is conflict and things may feel uncomfortable, it's not promised that it will be perfect. But we can draw on one another and one another's strength and be reminded in that, that God is present through our sisters and our brothers in Christ who are created in the image of God. And this doesn't mean that we will always agree There may be conflict, but what does it mean to still remain present together? Just as we are present and reminding and continually drawing our attention back to Christ and who he is, what is it to remember that we are to be mindful of and aware of and notice 
the people who are around us. The third encouragement is to pray with thankfulness. The encouragement to pray is one that we all need, but it's often overlooked. In kind of the busyness of our life, it's hard sometimes to find time to pause and to pray. Sometimes I think we think that prayer needs to look a certain way or be in a certain place. But there are not constraints around prayer. First, our prayers, though, they should include everything. They can include everything. We can bring anything to the Lord. We can be angry with God. We can ask questions of God. We can doubt. We can be uncertain. We can praise God as we end a day maybe reflecting on the ways in which he has been present to us and to others. Paul tells us to not to worry, to let our anxiety drift away from us. And I know that that is easier said than done. But when we find ourselves in those moments of anxiety or worry, we can bring that to God. He asks us to bring that to him. And we can also give thanks to God for his goodness and for God's presence with us. And we make our requests known to him. And today we have the opportunity to do that. We have the opportunity to make our requests known to God through our prayer teams. We have the opportunity to lament to share with others what is happening. You can do that with the prayer teams. You can write out your prayers, your praises, your joys on the paper around the room. So as we head into this extended time of prayer, I want to remind us that we are going to worship the Lord through bringing our prayers to him, through song, and remind us that God is near. God is present. The Spirit is in this room with us today. Prayer doesn't require that we do it here in this amount, this certain amount of time. But there is something special, I think, and important in our formation as Christians about setting time specific, setting aside specific time for prayer. This morning, let's trust the Lord. For some of us, that may be hard, though. We may truly be in the depths of despair. We may not no, God, church might be new for us. We may have doubts. We may have been hurt by the church. And so I don't want to dismiss those things or minimize those things, but I do want to encourage you that God can receive whatever it is that you have for him. We want to be a people who are exclaiming and remembering always the hallelujah anyhow. I also know that asking for a prayer, it requires vulnerability. And that's not always easy. It can feel awkward at times. I, this summer, was leading a pod on beloved community. And one of the things we were talking about this last week was oftentimes our tendency, and, and our tendency maybe even as Christians more so, to not let people know our needs. And so this is a time for that. This is a time for humbling ourselves and being vulnerable and letting others and the Lord know what it is we need. So I want to encourage you in vulnerability to go to the prayer teams, to write your prayers and your thanksgivings out on the wall, and remember that joy is found in God. It is not found in our present circumstances. God is near us, and we can bring our prayers to him. And now, as Paul wrote, in the closing verses of Philippians 4 through 7. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds 
in Christ Jesus. Amen.